Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Chris Myers, CIO at Doylestown Health. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this segment, Myers talks about what he believes is the secret sauce for being able to lead teams in today's complex world, the invaluable lessons he learned during his time with the Marines, and how he has leveraged them both during and after COVID, his family's many connections to healthcare, and why industry experience is definitely not a prerequisite to join his team. You've been with the organization for a little while, but recently took on the CIO role. So how long have you been with Doylestown? Uh, since 2017. Okay. So going from uh, CTO to CIO, obviously there's a lot there that makes sense. It's a logical progression, but can you talk about how it's been for you to to make that transition? Sure. I started as IT director, which Mm -hmm. makes sense and something I'd done for years at other jobs. But 2017 was a different world. And a lot of things were similar. Running organizations, worried about security, doing uh, digital transformation, upgrades. There was kind of a natural progress. The cloud was big and getting more involved for people. A little more of a challenge in healthcare, but that normalcy stopped with COVID. So right before COVID, because of changes in virtualization, third-party usage, you know, a lot of departments don't buy servers in a big installation of an application or a system. It's, um, we're going to buy this, it's in the cloud. And you need somebody to be sitting there with a department head or a very good clinical person to think of all the questions that they're not going to think of. And to say it's out in the cloud, up in the website is easy. And all the other things to ask about, you know, where it lives, how's it secured, what happens when we walk away. It was around that time that my previous boss realized that it's not an IT director's world anymore. It's somebody who really crosses many different disciplines and looking out for these clinicians and asking those tough questions that you, you don't know about unless you ask. And they would sign the dot, they would sign up for it, but should a breach happen? Should an outage happen? Where's the data? How is it accessed? Uh, What's plan B? It's uh, a website's a website's easy, but I would have to come in there and kind of think of the worst case scenarios or force them to go a little deeper with documentation. A sales guy likes to keep it lean and mean, and you just got to keep them in check and to make sure divulge the security practices and locations. And you got to have that on, on file. And we've seen those kind of things where an incident would happen and you need to go back to what was originally told. Where did this data live? We're constantly watching the news, outages, global providers, uh, Amazon, Azure. And you watch these things happen in the news. You have to know your organization. You have to know your assets. You got to know where they live to go back and say, well, does this even affect us? And no, we have no data living there, no problem. Or we have data there. And then now you're getting key people together. And you're almost going back to that moment where you had them pitching and we're signing up for a system. And we need to recall all that information because now we have a problem. We might have to report it to people. And so that's more than building servers and upgrades and keeping technology available and redundant that when I became CTO, it was kind of being more of a guide. An IT director puts things in place, makes projects happen, but I felt as a CTO, I was guiding more people, more departments, more decisions, just because of how the world was changing. Yeah. 
it's something where putting the C in front of it really does change a lot of things. It's so much more of a, a leadership type role. And like you said, really having knowledge in a lot of different areas and being able to look at things differently. Yep. So we had a timeout there with COVID. We had the normal stuff plus the COVID operations. And that's thinking on your feet, working closely with other department heads and just having a can-do attitude. That's how we got through it. Doing things we've never done before, knowing that uh, the emergency department had to do something quick and all the teams and all the departments that had to support them. We got together and um, came up with solutions during COVID time and time again, besides our day jobs. So yeah. When things did first hit, was the organization in a position to be able to make those quick adjustments or what, what was it like from that point as far as like the infrastructure you had in place? So some things had to be delayed, which kind of slowed down our upgrades, our transformations, our strategic goals and where we wanted to be or enhancements had to take a little bit of a backseat, you know, because as we had, um, we had the mash style tent out in the parking lot. And then we were one of the first to have the uh, the drive-through tests and the um, vaccines. So I would say the lab, the emergency uh, department, those functions, they could handle well on a normal busy day. Or even, you know, we plan and we train with emergency management team when there's a surge or when there's an outage or a downtime. So I would say we were ready people-wise, skill-wise but we had to adapt on how to grow that at scale or yeah. do it outside their home base, outside their comfort zone. Yeah. And um, you have PC carts and you're kind of registering people in a parking lot. And so you're bringing that equipment outside, you're expanding the Wi-Fi uh, into a larger footprint outside. And then, you know, we had machines and uh, equipment in the tent. Uh, you know, inside the four walls, you've got your power infrastructure, you've got your um, redundancies built in, but now you had to make them mobile and put them outside. So I think that the thought process, we were ready, the commitment, we were ready, normal surge or emergency, we were ready, but we just had to yeah. new requirements for those scenarios that we were planned for. And I think that's why we were successful. So, yeah. What was your strategy just as far as the different leadership style that was needed for something that obviously people hadn't gone through and kind of like making sure that people were okay, checking on your teams, but also asking a lot of them? And this is where my mindset transformed into the CIO side. And even mm -hmm. though I hadn't got the title yet, that guide became more of a, um, almost like an air traffic controller or a, a, a very high strategist. So in other words, translating, especially for my team, you can't do everything 100% best practice by the book, the business challenges, the business impact triumphs everything. And in our world, it's not necessarily shareholders, but it's the patients. So at that point, it was translating on why we had to hurry up and get those drive-throughs and the tents going or you know, we added on data integrations with the state because they were tracking the amount of COVID patients. There was a lot of reporting when people were calling out and we had our whole day jobs pretty much planned out that we were going to upgrade certain systems. We were going to um, have somebody come in and do a health check. We were going to get a demo and it's something to do better. And for me, I had to redirect and 
kind of explain why we weren't doing it that way and things, other things that had to become more of a high priority that was changing almost daily. Yeah. And uh, when we outgrew our drive-through, uh, we leased a space. It was a, a former water bottling facility. So it had mm-hmm. great retractable garage doors and just picture the trucks coming in, they filled up with the bottles of water that we were able to get an inside facility where about five cars could be covered and inside waiting to pull up to our clinical staff and get their tests. And so that's a, hey, we're going to have a new building on Monday morning and we're going to the internet and Wi-Fi and everything else and getting those tests in the beginning and then eventually the vaccines. I mean, that was just critical for everybody and making sure your staff knows and make sure everyone buys into and understands the new priorities. And then that that helps them do their job. Not everyone can do it. So I think that's the secret sauce of being able to, you know, technology. And if you're a master of it, you can teach or explain it to somebody. Mm -hmm. And in this role, I think a CIO, that's the the mastery of being able to explain priorities. Yeah. And a lot of organizations prior to COVID had been through surges or, or, or things like natural disasters where it's definitely more of a temporary thing. So this was just, there was no playbook. So the, the challenges start to come when it was really like, this is a prolonged thing and just continuing to kind of have that same uh, motivation for people. I, I think the challenges happened when the kind of the internal operations had to change with the clinical changes. So the, the drive-throughs, the vaccines, uh, the infusions we were doing. Um, so that was all new. That was added operations to the patients that were still in the ICU and still in the emergency room and kids were still breaking bones and people were still getting sick. So while that was happening and everybody's trained to do all of that, or we can adapt easily to that, but then you had, you know, you had staff getting sick and then you had kids doing home learning. And there was this whole other front in the war against COVID that that's where the challenges happened and trying to make sure an entire department didn't get COVID and called out and quarantined and we couldn't support people and making all those internal adjustments when the, you know, when the facial barriers went up and social distancing and um, the surge in moving people home, that adds another layer of changes and support that, that I think that's when it got challenging. So not just an outside change, but an internal operational change at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And and keeping the same rapport you have with people you're used to seeing in person. I would think that that was, that was a really big adjustment having, having meetings and things like that, but just doing it in such a different way. We were in a good spot. We were kind of evaluating a couple different platforms for collaborations, the teams, the Zooms and yeah. At the time, it felt like there were a dozen options up there, yeah. Cisco, WebEx, everything out there. But I liked, I homed in on Zoom because they were in a good position to do a, a BAA and a healthcare solution. And we had just signed up probably a month before COVID really got thick. And when we closed all of our conference and meeting rooms, um, we transitioned very quickly to an online presence. And I think the ease of Zoom helped us quickly have meetings um, almost without a beat not skipping a beat. And uh, we just, a little bit of education, a little bit of directions. We still had those people meeting days, if not weeks, immediately within day zero of everything stopping, people going home. So the the, the hospital continued the run, the quality teams, the the huddles, the, the provider means everything still happened fairly quickly because we had Zoom ready to go. 
that was a big win for us to get everybody talking, get keep everything working. And so. yeah. And for you having experience in other areas, but especially, you know, military experience, how did that come into play when, you know, we're dealing with something that was so foreign? It's similar. I, I was in the, the Marines and the Marines pride themselves on um, adaptability. Mm-hmm. And OODA loop gets you through so many things and unknowns on, in the military case, the battlefield. And you, you really have to adjust your strategy constantly and yeah. the enemy reacts and you adjust. And that's what the Marines are the best at this constant strategy change and adaptability. And I was right back to my Marine days here, even so much as a tent outside. I was a Intel specialist uh, with an infantry battalion, which has a headquarters and a tent that constantly moves. And as the battle progresses, that command structure moves along with it. And that's a that's a mobile force in the Marines. And that's Humvees and radios and power and Everybody's trained to basically set up a a mini office command out in the field. And so I found myself calling my UPS vendors and, you know, making sure that we had protected power for the generator that was being wheeled up for the tent outside and getting all the equipment in there and having it work as it would inside a building uh, was very similar. And again, you know, one day it's the emergency uh, department tent and the next day to drive through and the next day patient visitors aren't allowed to come in and uh, you know there's a greater need for video communication from the patients so that adaptability is key and I felt right at home yeah yeah that, that's really interesting and can, can you think of any instances where especially during COVID or even even during like other times where maybe a specific story or instance where you did feel like your previous experience really uh, helped make make a difference? So I, I've never been afraid to kind of switch verticals, switch industries. And it's something I passed on to interns and, and other people that are coming up in the business world. So, you know, I've been in the Marines and I've seen, you know, officers and specialists and I was in sales and there were um, very high profile salesmen on big jobs. I worked at a law firm and I've seen lawyers handling very important cases. And now I'm here with providers and critical care clinicians that um, there's always this element of who are the ones that drive the business. And in my world, they're the ones that need the most reactive support and the best operational enhancements or anything to make those key people better. And when you see the same personalities in different settings, it it helps you focus. It helps you find the people that are going to drive your strategy. And I don't know if you see that you're in the same industry for decades, that when you get a chance to kind of jump between different industries like that, I think it makes you a lot easier to kind of read the temperature of the organization. And then that translation of priorities to your team that I do now I'm used to doing it and I'm used to a, a last minute deposition for a case or a um, a deadline due for a proposal for a quote or and the Marines, you know, we're, we're packing up, we're moving over the hill kind of thing. And uh, that multi-experience really makes you very versatile and being able to adapt to many things. So I think my experience and my history, it's it could be an outage, it could be a pandemic, could be a whatever that I would, I'd be ready to adapt and be able to address it. Yeah. 
As far as coming to Doylestown, to the provider side, was it a difficult adjustment? I I would think that one of the biggest things is, as you alluded to before, there's not stakeholders anymore, there's patients. But aside from that, like, was it a challenging adjustment going into, you know, this provider side? Uh, No, because I've been completely surrounded by uh, healthcare family members. Mm. So going into it, I know I had a support network at home. My wife's a PT, my mother-in-law is a nurse, my sister-in-law is a nurse, my mom ran a lab, and I have i was no expert, but I was around it, and I've seen them come home after crazy days. I've seen my wife sign up for extra shifts because of patient loads. I've seen, yeah. I've seen that side of, I guess, healthcare outside of a hospital and how it yeah. affects people and why they do what they do and how hard they've all worked and... That made me want to do it. That made me want to get in there and make their lives easier. And even today, I did a lot of decisions I make. I kind of think about how would my mom in the lab, how my mother-in-law in the in the ICU, or you know, my wife with a patient, how would that decision affect them? What would they want to know? And you know, would it make their life easier or it's more clicks and more more things to do in a very busy day? So I, I think it helped me and it definitely persuaded me to accept the challenge. Yeah. It's a really interesting perspective. When you're hiring people or elevating people, what are you looking for? What are the really like the key things? I know some of the things you've alluded to, but what do you really consider to be most important um, aspects? Basically skills and hunger jump out of me. And if you're not coming from the same exact place and maybe you haven't done the exact same job, but you're willing to learn, you're going to do everything right. You're going to be professional and that goes a long way. That's a good investment. And the other thing is me having been from other places, I'm not always looking for the person that definitely came from a hospital. I know there's a success story in some of these candidates. So I'm open to that versus someone who did the exact same job at a a very similar organization. Sometimes you have to, you know, your quick requirements where it's really is a good fit. But when you have multiple candidates or you don't have people that Certain jobs are harder to come by these days that if I see that that growth inside, that that willing to make difficult choices or to take on challenges, then hands down, I, I like that person. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective, especially since healthcare has a lot of challenges. And sometimes, you know, having that outside perspective can can mm-hmm. really make a difference. Agreed. So as far as what your core objectives are now, what would you say are kind of your main areas of focus? Not necessarily in this order, but security. Mm-hmm. So there are very few people in this organization that do what myself and my security team do. Mm-hmm. And that's that that's a tall order. And, you know, that's educating thousands. That's putting in systems that touch every aspect of the organization. And the the list keeps going on and on about security is no longer just firewalls and spam filters. Mm -hmm. They're a reliance on the business for the security professionals to keep the business going when something happens. And it's a world that emergency management has to adapt and work with. And that's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of planning. That's a lot of documentation. And in the world we live, you are surrounded by hospitals that have incidents. So the probability of something happening is a, a when and not if. And mm-hmm. and today's threat's not the same as tomorrow's threat. And you have to constantly adapt. So the 
you can't ignore that. Just like when there's fires in the area of a community or, or burglaries or crime is on the rise in your area, you take measures or you change your priorities because of that. And we live in a world where we're surrounded by these threats that you have to have constant development and discussions and culture about security. Yeah. Um, another one is just um, getting back to normal. So we put a lot of things on hold and we had a lot of financial challenges. And what does that mean now post-COVID, but not necessarily out of the woods? So can we stretch some systems? Can we push off some things? What really needs to be upgraded and kind of reevaluating what the priorities are while still being behind from where we were before COVID? Navigating that is another big one. And lastly, it's getting back to, so before COVID, there was probably more of professional development, getting your team exposed to other departments and doing the kind of things that really invest in your team, yeah. trying to get back to that. And our organization has made some recent new hires where we have some initiatives and now that people can get in the same room to have a meeting about conflict resolution and all those all those soft skills, you've got people that done their job almost completely all day, every day for years. And there wasn't time to have these off the norm and development type meetings or um, training. We're getting back to that now. And I'm really trying hard to either remove roadblocks or deadlines that I can get people to do online training, go to these development classes, even meet with their managers more and you know, we know it needs to be done. We know it needs to be fixed and upgraded, but, you know, everybody wants to keep progressing. And I, I think it's our responsibility to take, which is hard to take the time out to say, you know, let's talk about what you want to do in five years or what skills aren't you getting because the work and the operational tempo is so high that you're going to blink in a, a year, five years are going to go by. So I'm yeah. really trying to focus on our people. It's those three things. Yeah. There's such a need for that. During the last couple of years, it was so hard to find the time and resources, but people still need that development and, you know, enhancing of soft skills, which the term kind of bothers me sometimes because they're so important, but they get called soft skills because that's just the way it is. But we're seeing, I think, how important those things can be. Agreed. And that's where an outside hire or perspective is it's a fantastic strategy, even with the team that we have now that everybody's hunger, hungry for this stuff. And, you know, they don't have to necessarily understand the operation of the hospital, but being there with almost like a, a refreshing wind of let, let's talk about you and let's let's talk about how you can navigate this stuff better. And everybody's hungry for that. And they were just and they like to talk about the COVID days. And that's probably important, too. We, we share our experiences and our challenges. And now I just connected on a totally different level with some other leaders and some other department heads. And at the same time, we talked about conflict resolution or diversity or those soft skills that are, are going to make the team better and ultimately the hospital. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.